Good evening and welcome to Ex Nihilo. I am your co-host, Steve Buckland, welcoming back in the guest chair, in the guest co-host chair, Father Chris Dorsey. Welcome back, Father Chris. Hello, thank you. Glad to be back. It's good to have you, Father Martin, still on the sofa, recovering from our political podcast and the uh, overwhelming uh, support that he received for his, his brave stance <laughs> on kneeling. Brave is what I think with Father Martin, of course. Exactly. Well, I don't know. Either that or he's spending all his time with his new dog. So He needs to spend a lot of time. We do have a new cute puppy in the rectory, so life is exciting. And what kind of dog did you get? She is a chocolate lab. She's a rescue. Oh, uh, nice. Yep, they found her wandering the woods of Georgia, and uh, somehow she made her way to a shelter down here and eventually to our rectory. So a little two-year-old chocolate lab. Her name is Bailey. Ah, uh, so. there you go. So send love to Bailey. Um, she did make it into the office today uh, for did. a little while this morning. Peed in someone's office. Peed in someone's office, helped herself to my tea, uh, and tried to break into the M&M jar. So, so much like Father Martin. Yeah, pretty much. Peeing in people's offices and drinking their tea. That sounds about right. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that's awesome. Well, listen, it's great to have you back, uh, particularly for this podcast, which I've been thinking about for a little while. Um, and you're just the guy to help us out uh, because you just got back from vacation. I did. An extended, was... well-earned vacation, I might add. I, well, I like to think so. Others might have different opinions. But <laughs> but where did you go? Uh, I went with another priest, a good friend of mine from St. Petersburg, Florida. But we went up, spent a few days in Seattle before going on an Alaskan cruise, Ooh, which was nice. awesome. You don't seem old enough to cruise, Father Chris. You know you have to really be like plus 40 to cruise. There's good food. You get to sleep and wind up in a different location where you can do cool things. What's not to like about a cruise? Did they have any butter sculptures on the cruise? Boat? They had some ice sculptures. No butter but sculptures. I don't think any butter sculptures. I'm sorry to let you down. <sighs> you is, wouldn't have enjoyed, I guess. I know. I love the butter. I mean, geez, butter sculptures are nice. Ice sculptures are so pedestrian. But um, So I imagine that, I mean, particularly the Alaskan part of the cruise must have been pretty, pretty amazing. Definitely. I mean, the whole kind of... North, let's see, west, that, no, my directions, northwest area of the country. It was awesome. Even Seattle was had a lot more nature than I expected for being a city. I'm kind of used to, you know, New York City, stuff like that, where you got Central Park, but outside of there, it's right. pretty much buildings it's dingy, and gray grimy and, nasty, and, and uh, Seattle does a great job of bringing trees in, but it, of course it doesn't compare to Alaska, where everything is just pretty much pristine beauty. Even the cities just... Seem kind of well, at least the ones we went to. Of, I mean, Juno, the capital, which I would think would be a pretty good sized one there. I mean, it just seems so small as compared to the wilderness that surrounds it. So you mentioned a, an important word, beauty. It's a nice segue into the topic. Thank you, because uh, our topic today is really beauty. So how do we see uh, God through the beauty of His creations? And I can only imagine that going into the Pacific Northwest, particularly once you got you know out of out of Seattle and off on your way along the coast of Alaska, there had to have been some beauty. Oh, most definitely, and it's. I think it also kind of helps getting out of your temperate zone because mm -hmm. for a lot of people they come to florida and say oh look at these palm trees in this it's beautiful ocean. it's so beautiful <laughs> and we recognize it is beautiful but when you're in it day to day i think it's easy to kind of lose sight of the splendor of it yes. and to go to a new area where it's like there's trees other than live oaks and palm trees like this is amazing look there's 20 different types of trees in my vision right now and <laughs> there's a waterfall and elevation with hills and mountains and just 
Awesome. Awesome. See? Awesome to behold. Now, did you see any polar bears? We did not see polar bears. We got to see some whales. Ooh, uh, nice. Some dolphins. Got to eat some reindeer. We also saw live reindeer. You ate reindeer? Th- there's beauty and taste No one as wants well. to hear that. Um, well, hopefully, Santa had retired those reindeer. I'm sure somebody you. else would like to <laughs> taste reindeer. Um, <laughs> All you have to do is go to Ikea. Did you know you can go to Ikea and you get reindeer meatballs? But then you can't. I mean, it does. It just looks like a meatball. They could tell you it's reindeer meat. That is but true. We're getting a little off here. Well, but. it's a hundred percent guaranteed. <laughs> it's IKEA. I mean, the nice thing about it is you don't have to put it together. It's a rain. It's it's something you can actually buy from Allen IKEA that it. doesn't yeah. have forty five parts. So there you go. But <laughs> I assume IKEA would have. Well, not IKEA, but IKEA comes from Sweden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweden, Sweden, which is also a. It's a far north country. Yes, yeah, that's so true. So similar. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well. Did you guys see Mount McKinley? Uh, well, it isn't Mount McKinley anymore, right? It's it's they renamed it, so it's it's uh, Denali, I think is what it. They renamed I it to the name. I think American that was name, farther right? north than we were. We okay. saw a lot of mountains. I'm afraid I don't know the names of all of them. Uh, that's okay. But uh, so maybe. Okay. But, well, this uh, was the well the former Mount McKinley, which we think is Denali, is the. This is why we're missing Week Out. He would be right here with that. But uh, it it is the the highest mountain in North America. That's all. I can't say. Cool. Now you've just exhausted my knowledge of uh, North American mountains. But uh, you did see Mount Rainier from Seattle, yep, actually. Definitely saw that, Mount Rainier. Which is beautiful. The it is big beautiful. snow-capped mountain you can yep. see from the city. And it's like we had beautiful weather while we were there, too, that everyone told us, oh, this time of year it's going to be cold and rainy. And it was beautiful, like 60s to 70s every day, mm. beautiful sky. We got a bit of a drizzle, but it was great. We got to go zip lining horseback riding we Whoa. did some hiking through trails uh so, you know everyone's rapidly planning their next fall alaskan vacation oh you should it's i have been really lazy on putting up on the internet any of the pictures from the trip but uh they they do capture that that beauty and when we were in Juneau, alaska actually we met up with a priest there and he took us around and one of the uh things he actually said he took us up uh first they've got a little I guess it's called a tram, mm-hmm. that, like cable car tram thing that nice. goes up a mountain a good ways. But then there's a bunch of hiking trails up there. And one of the hiking trails, uh, there's a big cross at the top, like a giant wooden cross that was brought up by Father Brown, uh, a Jesuit priest up there. Wow. Who, uh, like back when no one really lived in Alaska except for people like going Indigenous. up there for – well. More than indigenous, because we didn't go there until we found that, hey, there's stuff worth money up here. <laughs> right. And so uh, when those first people were going up to get, like, lumber and see if there's gold and that kind of stuff, he went up as a mission missionary. And one of the things he did is carry a cross up a mountain to put up in this uh, beautiful place. And uh, this priest who showed us around just said, like, when you look around up here and you could see all of Juneau, but also these surrounding mountains, the uh, channel that goes back out to the ocean, and just this beautiful view. He, I mean, said it when he said, you just can't help but believe there's a God when you can see things like this. Mm, isn't that amazing? And so, you know, I think the challenge for a lot of people is is seeing beauty when you don't go to Alaska or when you're not taken out of your element. Um, I mean, it's 
I went. I've been to Switzerland a few times, and it's the same for whatever reason. I don't know what it is about mountains, but you always see mountains, uh, and it, I'm always amazed. Like I fly out to the West Coast every week. I'm always every time I fly over the Rocky Mountains, I'm always just like looking out the window, going, "Whoa, that's amazing! Those mountains are amazing!" And they're the same amazing mountains I've seen like 75 other times. Um, but they, but every time I look at, I'm like, "Wow, that is, it's incredible!" And it's amazing to think that that anyone could have created it let alone a person or a, a being. I think it's because it dwarfs us to such a scale that, you know, it's when you hear that faith the size of a mustard seed can move this, that it's right. like, man, my faith is not good. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not even half a mustard seed. Right. Yeah. And and so, but really, as, as we think about beauty in the context of, of being a Catholic Christian, you know, I think one of the struggles we have in life today is is connecting our faith, connecting kind of the theological elements of our faith to the reality of our lives. And, you know, you, you know, we hear, oh, well, there are these graces and there are these things, and, you know, we, we celebrate together and we worship together publicly. But for a lot of people, I think there's a, a definite struggle between kind of these concepts and then the reality of the world that they're living in. And it gets to be more and more of a struggle as there are more and more distractions for people to be able to see tangible evidence of God's existence in their lives. And to go on kind of an old man rant for a second. Yeah, is this go is, ahead. Uh, one part that You're I cruising think that, now, so this, no, this works. Our, our, I, I do think this is somewhere that social media, I love internet. I, I'm not saying any of that is bad, but when uh, you know you see a beautiful thing, what is your first thought of, oh man, I'm going to get so many likes off of this, or like right. Instagram will love this. Not, <laughs> let me take this moment to appreciate it and share with God and thank him for this wonderful moment yep. that, you know, it's pulling the phone out to get a picture of it rather than just sitting in that moment and, and sharing it with the one who created it for you to see in that moment. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and there's so many things that, that you know, are beautiful. I mean, it's not just mountains and, and nature. I mean, nature is certainly one of the most visible kind of tangible cognizant signs that we have of, of God's beauty. But the beauty, I mean, and the challenge, I think, for all of us is to see the beauty and even the small things. The, view, the beauty in the people who are around us, the beauty in our churches, the beauty in our priests, the beauty in our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, in however way it may manifest itself through maybe their kindness, um, through the actions that they take. I mean, it's it's a call, I think, that we have that's that's hard. I think it's a challenge, and, and it's a definitely um, an obstacle to faith is to be able to put on the, like, the lenses of beauty and filter out the bad and look through people to see the God-given beauty that they have, yeah, which is hard to do. And to realize that when it comes down to it, everything God created is beautiful and to find the beauty in that and sometimes even in ourselves, which, you know, I jokingly said on our way in here when we were passing all the wonderful people in the chancery of like, oh, the podcast on beauty today. That's why Steve brought me. See, exactly. And mm-hmm. I couldn't help but crack up because I, <laughs> I didn't bring Father Martin. You know, to the beauty luckily pod. this is podcast, but you you don't have to look at me the whole time, right? And while I can make disparaging remarks, also having to realize that God made me, and therefore there is beauty in me. Yeah, and absolutely. To, to find that beauty in yourself as well, and and that God has joy in you and as well as your neighbors and everything. So what do you think? So for, for particularly for, I think for a lot of it, I think it impacts people more kind of in that 20 to 40 range 
than some of the seniors of the older older people we don't do as much on social media i think um there isn't quite as much clutter in our lives but you know for the younger generation for the xers and and the y's and the millennials you know you know as a priest and as a young priest you know these are the kind of the people you're going to be kind of having to deal with you know what do you say to these kids who are like you know i just don't i don't see any beauty help I, how to help me see god father chris I mean, it's finding the balance because there is, I mean, good and wonderful things on the Internet. You can see beauty on there as well of people posting things and learning things about nature. There's so many things I would never know about animals and weird facts and stuff that I learned on there that then I get to share to random people of like, oh, do you know what? That's not really a gargoyle. That's a grotesque because to be a gargoyle, it needs to have water go through it and gargle and like stuff like that that can enhance the beauty of other things with that knowledge, but also to allow ourselves to step away from that and to step into not the unknown, because it can very much be known, but to see it in a new way that not just that same thing I see every single day, but yes, I see it every single day, but what is it? Like, what, right. how how awesome is this little thing in front of me or this person in front of me the, it's the thing where you learn a fact about a friend that you've known forever, and you're like, how did I never know this about you? Mm-hmm. You speak German? What? Where where did this come from? <laughs> Something like that that just like blows your mind and makes you look at that thing, that person, that place in a new way and recognize it for having so much more complexity than we realize every day. It's I want to say Teresa of Lisieux, but maybe another saint, probably another saint. Uh, there's a story of her walking through a... a garden with another sister and there's this desiccated dried up leaf and she says if we understood in its entirety this one desiccated dried up leaf we would fall over in ecstasy at the wonders of god that you know it's there's so much depth to every single thing that god created and its history to get from creation to where it is now oh yeah that we just dismiss in an instant but if you take the time to think, to, to pray, to share with it, is uh, is beautiful. Mm, prayer. You know, I was thinking, so <clears throat> last night, Father Chris and I were at, uh, we had a diocesan confirmation down at the cathedral. We had 29 um, beautiful people say yes to God uh, and were confirmed. And we had Abbot Camacho down, and Abbot Camacho was asking about holy, 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 because in the cathedral they've got uh, sanctus, sanctus, sanctus. And so he asked, you know, anyone who, who wanted to jump in, uh, what does the word holy mean? <clears throat> and so, you know, everyone's out, whipped out their phones or Googling holy, and they're like, things set aside for divine worship. And he's like, no. And I'm like, okay, clearly he's got another thing in mind, because that's what Merriam-Webster said it is, you know. And so we went kind of back and forth, and he embarrassed some um, some formation directors, and then he, I think he turned to you priests, and none of you were raising your hands. Uh, to answer that question, because we were all just like, I don't know where he's going to land with this thing. But where he landed was essentially, you know, in the context of God, what does holy mean? So when, when we sing like, holy, holy, Lord, God of hosts, it can't be like things of things set aside for divine worship, things set aside. So what is holy in the context of God? And his answer was basically that God's indescribable. 
Well, that he's that different. That he's right, set it's apart different. From it's set else. apart. He is set apart, and that's, you are set apart. That's why that definition actually was just applying it to something that the Merriam-Webster <laughs> that what uh, when it said things set apart, it was really just the set apart that we the wanted. set apart, and right. that's why like not to say oh I totally knew the answer because I well didn't, you didn't raise your hand so <laughs> that that threw me off because it is yeah. things set apart. It is to be set apart, right? And so it. And that's, I yeah, mean, that's when you think God, about, yeah. so it got me thinking about that <clears throat> after the Mass, kind of thinking about what we're going to do today, is how are things that God creates set apart? Like, isn't it an effect kind of the beauty or the intrinsic beauty of everything in and a way set apart? So yeah. when we think about beauty as a gateway or a doorway to knowledge of God, it's because in some small way, whether it's the desecrated leaf or the person or the mountain or the whale, right? In some small way, it's set apart because it was God's creation. Yeah, that is unique from every single other thing yeah. in creation. And you got to take part in that one single instance of that thing that is unlike any other moment of any other thing in creation. Yeah, and it requires, I think, <clears throat> I guess kind of in the how do you put it into motion, it requires us to be proactive. We got to, you have to... You have to be engaged in your life. You have to, you know, you can't just, I can't, I could drive you out to the Arizona desert, park you down in front of the painted desert. And if, if you weren't interested at all in the desert, you're like, it's hot. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't matter what, what color the rocks are. Or, or we go on a whirlwind tour, we go see the pyramids in Egypt and you're just like, it's hot. And actually, uh... <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, you have to want to see that stuff. A good example of that is, uh, that same friend that I just went to Alaska with, a bunch of us were in Omaha for a uh, institute for priestly formation during our formation there. And on Fourth of July, they weekend, send you guys to. I'm sorry, they send you to Omaha for priestly formation. Well, just for a <laughs> summer program in Creighton University. Do you learn how to like rope steer and stuff while you're no, in Omaha? Unfortunately, no. not. We did go to a demolition derby while there. All right, rock but, on. <laughs> uh, but this Fourth of July weekend, we decided to go to see Mount Rushmore, oh, uh, nice. which was a decent road trip and. Uh, when we first started driving, uh, there was, I think, four or five of us all went. And most of us had been through the Midwest before, but this one hadn't. And so as we're driving, he goes, look at all the cornfields with this, like, absolute <laughs> disbelief and wonder in his eyes. And we're all just like, yeah, it, it's corn. Like, it, <laughs> it's there's corn. a lot of it. Okay. And he's like, no, like, look, it's all over. Like, these are huge. And now, of course... Four or five hours into the trip, his tone changed. Look at all the cornfields. There's nothing else here. But, I mean, to, he found wonder in these cornfields that all of us were already bored with. Right, right. And it's it's all about kind of the perspective and what you know. So, you know, I mean, <clears throat> when I guess it's, it's always, I think it's always fascinating because one of the things I think we see, kind of see more and more in the churches is people who kind of come and go through the motions and, you know, they'll show up to mass and they stand up when they need to stand up and they sit down when they need to stand, they sit down and they wave their hand in the air when we're all waving our hands in the air. But it's very much kind of a rote a thing. It's a very passive, it's very rote. Um, and there isn't kind of this, and it's not, not that that's a criticism, but it's hard to kind of encourage people to see the beauty in the mass and once you're kind of we begin the mass 
And part of that is, I mean, and some of it has like, to hey, be your own initiative, here. but part of it is also on us priests, maybe not always doing the best job of explaining what we're doing. And that's right. why I love to do teaching masses, because suddenly people are like, that's why we do that? Like, <laughs> hey, why yes. didn't anyone ever tell me this before? <laughs> right. Maybe they did when you were like five years old, but. But you had, yeah, but yeah. does it really stick with you, right? Um, and yeah, and that's, I think, when you kind of bring the concept of beauty from the outside and into your faith life. Um, it's one thing to see and experience the beauty of God on the outside, but then to be able to, through the sacraments and through worship, internalize that beauty. Through liturgy, and, which and is the work of the people. Exactly. Yeah. And see it in yourself. And then carry that home to see it in yourself. You know, when to, to understand that no matter how bad things get, you're, you are a unique creation of God. And so if you don't have anything else going for you, at least you have that. You know, but yeah, there's something positive you can start to build on. And, um, you know, I mean, it's a work of everybody. I don't think it's just the priests uh, in mass. I think it's everybody. I mean, the more that people are active, yeah. conscious participants and the more that we're doing our best to kind of, you know, not just to live as a good example, but also encourage others to come in. Yeah. I mean, I that know, when I said help. work of the people, work implies yeah, work, doing something. Work. That, yeah, yeah, you got to <laughs> You, gotta you have work. to sing. You mean you have to sing when it's time to sing? <laughs> sing, stand up, kneel, and with intention. With in- oh, that's a big part of it, isn't it? With intention. So what is that like now? So you've been a priest for almost a, two years, right? Uh, two and a half two, years. Going on two and a half, yeah. Going on two and a half years. Is there – when you – would you – so you were describing driving through the cornfield – and after five hours, you're all like, yay, corn. So tell me about as a, as a two years in, what is the experience of the Mass like for you? Because you just had a big weekend, you know, yesterday. Father Chris was like at all 25 Masses that we did at the <laughs> cathedral yesterday. Um, and it seemed like you were the celebrant for all of them, too, except for the 5 o'clock. <laughs> um, <clears throat> did you? I think, think you, I only you was nine. the— Did you have nine? You had 10.30? It well, it's at the 9 and 10.30 I was the main celebrant in. Got it. And so I— uh, and you had twelve fifteen, those. too. Right? But no, I was just uh, there for. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, we switched. It seemed like I saw you a lot yesterday. You were, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, how do you do? You still see the beauty in mass? Yeah, and just like I think, well, hopefully anyone. There are days that like it really strikes me and hits me. I, I think a moment I'll always remember is uh, my first year as a priest doing mass on the Annunciation. And realizing that as I got to the epiclesis, when you call down the Holy Spirit, that I was calling down the Holy Spirit to do the same thing at that moment that it had done at the Annunciation in bringing Christ bodily into the world. Okay. That like, boom, like that was a blow my mind moment of like, I just did that. Like I just called Christ bodily into the world, which is exactly what happened at that moment with Mary when she gave her fiat, her yes, and the Holy Spirit did came his work. in an epiclesis and came to bring Christ bodily into the world. And, like, there's moments like that that totally almost knock you off your feet. And I hate to say it, but there's moments where, you know, it's the 7 a.m. Mass and <laughs> you got a hospital call and you're saying the words and you're doing your best to be present, but... It's hard. Yeah, it, it's hard sometimes. and uh, So it's not just us on the other side of the pew? <laughs> no, and, you know, it can be at times more easy to be engaged when you got to be flipping the pages and knowing where you are and things like that. But there's also something to be said for, you know, as a priest, hardly ever do you get to hear a homily. And, right. you know, it's sometimes I 
long for those days when I got to sit there and really listen to somebody else breaking down that gospel for me and, and feeding me with that, that uh, now I got to sneak into other masses to hear those <laughs> homilies or go to the website to listen to them later on that, uh, you know, it's, it's different that there's, there's definitely wonderful graces. And I believe this is, you know, my vocation that I'm called to. And therefore I find a fulfillment within the mass that that is where the vocation of a priest is fulfilled. It's not, in marriage it's not right. the marriage bed it's the in altar bed. right and so there is a love there that i think the priest finds or hopefully finds there at the mass that goes deeper than it than i ever found it on the other side but right. part of that i think is also just the fact that i was blessed to have the education of seminary to reveal that to me and re- realize both through intellectual and intellectually and spiritually what is going on in that mass that in fact it is that you know that holy 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 comes from that vision of angels singing it around the altar of god and that is going on in the mass that's why we sing the holy holy is because we're joining in that choir choir. of angels singing around the throne of god singing his praises and he then humbles himself to come down into bread and wine for us and any time that I can really bring my mind to just get to focus on that. Like it can't help but blow my mind every single time because that is beyond our comprehension mm-hmm. and it is beyond my mind. And, and it's tangible it's beauty. Overflow. Yeah. Tangible beauty, which is, which is amazing. I mean, it's so look for the beauty folks. That's kind of the message of today's podcast. Um, you'll be surprised where you find it. Keep your eyes open for it and look in unlikely places, but you know, you always talk about seeing the face of Christ in others. Uh, but I think there's also something to be said for seeing the work of God and just the simple things in life. Uh, but you got to look for it, right? Right. Not bad. So that wraps up Beauty this week. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week, hopefully with Father Martin. We'll see if we can get him off the couch or maybe we'll have to bring uh, Bailey in as well. So we'll have Bailey, Wee Cat, and Father Martin for the podcast next week. She doesn't talk much. (laughs) Well, I don't know. She was pretty loud today in my office, so we'll see. Anyway, God bless. Thanks.